guys, well, you can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 43 through 45. I just want to welcome all the visitors here today. Glad to have you guys all to worship the Lord with us today. We've been going through the book of Luke, and so we are back in Luke today. We're going to be looking at verses 43 and 45 here in a few moments. Uh, the title of the message is, What is the State of Your Heart? What is the state of your heart? <clears throat> I can think of no greater question we can ask ourselves. Um, what's the state of our heart? Um, because there's, there's one who knows that answer. Obviously, it's the Lord. The Lord knows the exact state of our hearts. But unfortunately, sometimes we don't. <laughs> sometimes we could be deceived. And so it's my prayer, uh, my, my desire as the pastor of this church and everybody in here that you would know the state of your heart by the time we're done here today and, um, and that you could rejoice in the state of your heart. So have you guys heard of the word uh, dichotomy? A dichotomy. The Webster's Dictionary of 1828 describes that word or defines that word as a division or distribution of ideas by pairs. By pairs. The, the idea of, a, of opposing ideas by pairs. And so there's many dichotomies in the Scriptures. Many dichotomies in the Scriptures that really help explain the spiritual condition of a person. Uh, Christ uses many of these dichotomies. Others are just in the Scriptures. Here's a few examples of, a, of what a dichotomy, a dichotomy is. For example, you have in the Scriptures the sheep and the goats. That's a dichotomy. Um, the sheep being God's people. The sheep being those whom Christ laid down His life for. He said, I laid down my life for my sheep. The sheep are those who Christ says, hear His voice and follow after Him. So the sheep are God's people. The sheep are those who are going to be there on that day of judgment on, on the right of Christ. He said, those are my right, my sheep. Uh, those are His people. Those who have trusted in Christ by faith alone. Those who have confessed Him as Lord. That's God's sheep. The goats are the unbelievers, the reprobate, those who on that day, on that day, Christ will have... Every, see, everybody will be there on that day. You'll either be with the sheep on His right, or you'll be with the goats on His left. And what a horrible day that will be for the goats. The goats are those who do not know Christ. The goats will hear, depart from Me. I never knew you. So that's one example. Another one is the wheat and the tares. That's another dichotomy. That Christ used the wheat, speaking of God's people. You know, the thing about the wheat and the tares, or the, or the wheat and the weeds, just depending on the translation you use, they look a lot alike. They look a lot alike. It, the, a wheat and a tare looks a lot alike. And, and so the teaching of, that, of, that, of those verses is, is that the wheat and the tares, they, they, they're together all through, all through this age, and they're not really separated until that day. And so. The wheat being God's people, the tares being those, those children of the devil. And so, on that day, the wheat, picturing God's people, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The tares will be cast into the furnace of fire. The bad fish and the good fish is another dichotomy. The parable of the dragnet in Matthew chapter 13. If you guys remember that little parable. Uh, it's a picture of a net. It's a big net. It's not like a casting, casting net, like a throw net, but it's a big net that goes all the way down to the bottom and it would just move very slowly and literally gather everything in its path. And it's a picture of the, of the, 
of, of catching bad fish and good fish. And, and, the, and the workers separating the bad fish and the good fish. And the angels separating the bad and the good on that day. God's people. Those who know Christ. Those who have been born again. And those who have not. The bad fish and the good fish. Those the Scriptures talk about. Another dichotomy. Born of the Spirit. Those who are born of the Spirit. What did Jesus say? That unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So you have those who have been born in the Spirit, and you have those that are still in the flesh. That are still, the way the Scripture defines us, dead in our sins. So it's either... You're either dead in sin or you've been born again. Okay? You see these dichotomies, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. Light and darkness is another dichotomy. You are either in the light or you're in the darkness. Jesus said, I have come into this world as the light so that whoever believes in Me may not remain in darkness. Do you hear that? May not remain in darkness. There's not a grayness. There's not a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light and a kingdom of greatness. No, you're either in the kingdom of darkness or you have been delivered into the kingdom of the marvelous light. And then, of course, there's just the lost and the saved. All of these are meaning the same thing, but different ways to say the same thing. Right? What did Jesus say? The Son of Man came, into the, came to this earth, what? To seek and to save that which was lost. You see, if you're not saved, you're lost. There's no in-between. These are examples of dichotomies. And so we're looking at one today. The good tree and the bad tree. It's another dichotomy that we're going to look at today. And so let's look at our text in in Luke chapter 6, verses 43-45. through I mean, really just to catch us up, this is Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. Whether it's the same sermon as that in Matthew... Don't know. It could be could be a shorter version of it. it. Could be another sermon, but it's very similar. And so he's been going through these last few passages we've been looking at. He he was dealing last time with really just with hypocrites. You guys remember that? Just and, and it really continues today. He's warning against this hypocritical life, this deceived life. You know, the blind leading the blind, the man with the the blind eye doctor. We looked at last time. The man with the big log in his eye. He's blinded by his own self-righteousness. And so he's warning us. He's warning his, his audience. He's warning the crowds during that time. And the Holy Spirit is warning us against really the sin of hypocrisy and being deceived, being self-deceived. So that's what we have going on here. We'll pick it up in verse 43 in Luke chapter 6. 43, 44, and 45. Jesus says this, For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before You, God, by faith today. Before Your throne of grace. Father, I would ask You, Lord, that You would give me much grace today, Lord. 
Father, I'm not able to I'm not able to do this, Lord, without you, without your help, without the help of your spirit, Father. So I would ask you to empower me today. I would ask you to fill me with your spirit today, Lord. I would ask, Father, uh, that you would give your people ears to hear your word today, God, that we would all um, examine our lives, Father. God, that you would um, encourage those who are in the faith, Lord, uh, with the truth from your word, Father. And I just pray, God, that if there be any here or any who may hear this message, Father, Father, who maybe thinks they're in the kingdom, or maybe some know that they're not, Lord, I pray, God, that your spirit would do a mighty work, God, and do what only you can do, and that is open blind eyes, Father. Draw by your power, God. Draw by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. Draw sinners to yourself, Father. We pray that Christ would be glorified today. We pray that His will would be done, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So verse 43. In verse 43, He says, There is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. Jesus really doesn't explain what the good tree and the bad tree is in this, but rather the fruit they produce. The fruit they produce. And just know this, guys, as we're going through these three verses, the tree represents the heart, okay? The tree represents the heart. The fruit represents the life, okay? The life produced by the heart, okay? The fruit produced by the tree, the life produced by the individual heart. That's the, that's the analogy here in these verses. So in verse 43 and 44, in verse 44 he says, Each tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. Every tree, each tree, dear church, I'm, I'm fixing to make a rather obvious statement, okay? Jesus is meaning this to be simple. Okay, I want you to know that. This is very simple stuff. Each tree will produce the fruit that it was created to produce. Amen? Right? It produces after its own kind. Okay, each tree will produce the fruit that it was created to produce. In the same way, each heart will produce the fruit that it was created to produce. Or can I say this? In the life of a Christian. In the life of somebody who is regenerate. Right? Who is born again. Each heart will produce the fruit that it was recreated to produce in the life of those born again. We're recreated. To produce not the same kind of fruit that we produced when we were in darkness, but a whole new fruit. How many of you like apple pie? You raise your hands. Well, there's several of you. Amen. I love apple pie. I'm going to make another obvious statement, guys. If you're going to make apple pie, or you're or you're planning on eating apple pie, okay, whoever's doing the whoever's doing the harvesting of the fruit. Whether it's your own trees at home, or whether you go to an orchard, or wherever, whoever's picking the fruit, you better have an apple tree if you want apple pie. Amen? Okay? How many of you have heard of the <laughs> Mirinda citrifolia? Anybody ever heard of that? I didn't until last night. I looked it up. I was looking for the most disgusting fruit in the world. This name popped up. It's also known as the pute fruit. It's a nickname for it. It's in, I believe it's in, uh, I know Angel's going to look it up later. <laughs> but I think it's in uh, Southeast Asia. And I was reading a little bit about it, just looking for some nasty fruits. Obviously, it's supposed to be really good for you. The locals actually like it. 
But uh, it's also known as the puke fruit, known to be rather distasteful. Okay? You better have an apple tree <laughs> if you have a Miranda, Miranda citrifolia fruit. That's not going to help you get apple pie. I can promise you. That's not going to be good pie. That's going to be very distasteful pie. Okay, it's rather obvious, right? If you want an apple pie, you had better have an apple tree to produce apples. Because this kind of tree, that Miranda citrifolia, it will not produce good fruit. <laughs> A bad tree cannot produce good fruit and vice versa. So it doesn't matter how hard you try. Jesus is telling us back in the text here. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You will not. You won't gather figs from thorns. You will not gather figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briar bush. Why? Because thorns weren't created to produce figs. It's very, very... If you want thorns, go to a thorn bush. I guess you could gather blackberries from some kind of thorn bush. But you see what he's saying here. You will not gather figs from thorns or grapes from a briar bush. Why? Because each tree is known by its fruit. Amen? You guys following the text? Very clear. Each tree is known by its fruit. If you go and you gather some grapefruits from a tree, so we'll just go with the grapefruits now, you can be assured that it is a grapefruit tree. Amen? How do you know it's a grapefruit tree? Because it grows grapefruits. I'm really trying to drive this point home, guys. <laughs> it grows grapefruits. The fruit, beloved, is what gives it away. The fruit is what gives it away. That's the point. It's not the bark of the tree. It's not the leaves of the tree. Now, some people may be familiar with a tree. They could say, yeah, that leaf, that's a, that's a grapefruit tree. But the fruit is what gives it away. What kind of tree it is. You could have some, some poor, delusional, deceived, confused orchard farmer telling you that he knows for certain that it's an apple tree. But it's producing grapefruit. No, it's not an apple tree. Because a tree is known by its fruit. Beloved, there's a lot of people in the same way. There's a lot of people who are deceived. Who call themselves Christians. But they have the Miranda citrifolia fruit in their lives, not apples. A heart. In the same way that a tree is known by its fruit, a heart is known by its life, by the fruit it produces. doesn't matter what we profess with our mouth. Our life gives it away. Jesus wants, to, he wants us to apply this simple... Is this simple? He wants us to apply this simple but profound, penetrating truth to our lives spiritually. That's what He wants. That's what He wants. And so many people ignore this. So many ignore this. So many individual people ignore this. So many churches ignore this. They've been fed the lies. What are the lies? People basing their salvation on what? Maybe just a sinner's prayer that they prayed one time in their life when they were five years old. And now they're in their 50s and nothing but rotten fruit throughout their entire life. This is what Jesus is getting at. People basing their entire eternity on the fact that they walked down an aisle and repeated some words that they were told to repeat. But there's been no change in the life. 
Some people base it on, well, I was dunked underwater or I was sprinkled as a baby. But where's the fruit? Making a decision. These type of things. An emotional experience. Can I tell you that this was my testimony for many years? I was told that I was saved and yet had nothing but the, the putrid, putrid fruit, fruit in my life. We all have fruit. It's not that you're not going to have fruit, but what kind of fruit are you habitually producing in your life? Some people think, I'm a Christian simply because I attend church. You know what you are? By attending church, you're a person that attends church. That's all and nothing else. They even say successful preaching, successful evangelism is what? The number of decisions you can get. Can I tell you guys how easy it would be to go into Oklahoma City and go gather a group of teenagers around and take them through the law, take them through the gospel, and get, get them to all repeat a prayer. I could have thousands of notches on my belt. And maybe none of these people are truly regenerated. We've been fed a bunch of lies. We have, we have an entire nation, an entire culture of people who profess the name of Jesus Christ that produce rotten, putrid fruit day in and day out. One day, who's going to hear... Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. See, that's where all this, that's, that's, matter of fact, that's next time we go through the text. This is Luke's version of Matthew 7. These people are going to end up on judgment day saying, Lord, look at us. Look how wonderful we are. Look how religious we are. Look at all the stuff we did for you. And he's going to say, Depart from me, you're strangers. In my ignorance as a, as a young Christian, I would give gospel tracts away. And, and maybe they weren't even, maybe they were decent gospel tracts, but in the end, they, they always had this little prayer at the end. And I had multiple, multiple people come to me and say, yeah, I read that pamphlet you gave me, I prayed that prayer. And then watching their life, it was, it was just a continuation of, of hatred for Christ. Rotten fruit. Because a little sinner's prayer doesn't save you. God saves you. Are we to pray and cry out to God? Absolutely. But leading somebody through a little formula sends a lot of people to hell deceived. So depending on the tree, depending on the tree, the very nature of the tree, okay? We're talking about Nature here, depending on the tree, the very nature of the tree, that's what's going to determine the kind of fruit that's produced. Apple trees produce apples. Miranda citrifolia trees produce puke. And depending on the particular heart, the very nature of the heart is what's going to determine the kind of life that's produced. There's no way around it in the Scriptures. 
It's what Jesus is teaching. Regenerate hearts produce good fruit. Amen? Does that mean it's perfect all the time? No. But regenerate hearts produce good fruit. Unregenerate hearts produce rotten fruit. If you have an outline today, or if you, have, if you follow an outline, if you'll notice the outline on the back today, it's very simple. Very simple. Is your heart good or evil? That's it. There's the sermon outline today. No points. Is your heart good or evil? That's the question. Is your heart good or evil? Is your heart, like the prophet Ezekiel that we read in Ezekiel, is your heart a heart of stone or is it a heart of flesh? The heart of stone represents the dead, unregenerate heart. Unresponsive to God, except hatred, except rebellion. Or is your heart that one of a heart of flesh, the picture of the new heart, the picture of the regenerate heart, the picture of the heart that God gives the sinner by grace and causes us to begin to love Him, causes us to begin to want to follow after Him? Is your heart unregenerate or is your heart regenerate? Look at verse 45. 45a, the first half of it, really most of the verse. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. The good man. He says the good man. You know, only God can make a man good. Only God can make the heart good. We're not born with good hearts. Many would disagree with that, but I'm not interested in what many opinions are. God's, God's Word says we're not born with good hearts. Psalm 58.3 says the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth. Speaking lies. Not to pick on children, because <laughs> we were all once children, <laughs> but we raised five of them. And I know you guys know, everybody in here knows, we never had to set our children down. Kale, I never had to sit Tyler down and say, Son, today, I'm going to teach you how to lie. Didn't have to teach you. <laughs> Didn't have to teach our children how to be selfish. No, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth speaking lies. In our analogy today, it would be like saying, These are rotten saplings from the beginning. <laughs> rotten to the core. Until God does a work of grace. Look at Romans chapter 3 real quickly. Turn to Romans chapter 3. Gives us a picture of how wonderful mankind is apart from Christ. Romans 3, 10 through 18. This is not speaking about a certain group of people. So don't think that your group is excluded. This is talking about mankind unregenerate mankind, Jew and Gentile alike. So our Hebrew Israelite friend the other day, even if he was one, he's included here. The Jews, the Gentiles, all of them. Chapter 3, verse 10, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. How many? None. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. 
There's none who seeks for God. Praise God, we have a God who came to this earth to seek us. To seek and to save that which was lost. Because we don't seek after Him on our own. It says, all have turned aside. Together they have become useless. Useless. It's even worse than that. What does the prophet Isaiah say? We've all become like one who is unclean. And all of our righteousnesses, our righteous deeds are like what? A filthy rag. We're worse than useless. But he says they become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. You see, Paul's saying, in case you think you're the exception, not one. Not one. There's none good. Their throat is an open grave. Beloved, he's given us a picture. What would happen if we were to go open a grave up? Depending on the stage of the decay, that's what you're going to see. Decay, stench, death. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Just go, just go hang out with a crowd of people in the world and this is what you're going to hear. Cursing, bitterness, complaining. Filth. That's the human nature. Destruction and misery are in their paths. You understand that? Destruction and misery are in their paths. Look at our world. Is our world not burning? But ultimately, it's even worse than that. Destruction, eternal destruction and misery is in their past. The path of peace they have not known. There's no peace in our world. Because men and women, first of all, they don't have peace with God. Right? They don't know the Prince of Peace who came to give peace. So the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's mankind outside of Christ. That's mankind apart from the grace of God. You see, the heart, your heart, is the real you. Your heart is the real you. That's your real nature. An apple tree produces apples. Your heart is the real you. It's your real nature. If your real nature is a grapefruit tree, guess what it's going to produce? Grapefruits. It's really simple. This first individual is bringing forth what is good, it says. Why? Only because of the source. The treasure of his heart is good. The treasure of his heart has been made good. It's been made good. See, this good life comes from a, a good heart. It's our tree analogy. There is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand, a bad tree which produces Good fruit. A good heart cannot produce a bad life. And a bad life and bad fruit cannot produce a good life. We have to get our definitions of what bad and good is, though, from God. It's not my definition of good. It's not your definition. But it's God's definition. And we can only produce the kind of spiritual fruit that our nature will produce. Beloved, and the new man, the new man was created to produce new good fruit. Amen? 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What do you think he's talking about there? The fruit in our life. Because we're made new. All things have become new. So what is some of this new fruit? Turn over to Galatians. That's why I had Jamie read Galatians 5. Galatians 5. We'll look at verse 22 and 23 real quickly. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Paul says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Go through these real quickly. The fruit of the Spirit is love to begin with. Can I, can I say this? It, it starts with a love for Christ. It's a love for Christ, first of all. Everything else will flow from that. If there's not a love for Christ, you're not a Christian. Paul says, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. He is to be accursed. How do we know we love Jesus Christ? He said, if you love me, you will what? You will keep my commandments. You'll obey me. And so all these other things flow from our love to Christ. We've been made new now. We have a new allegiance. We have a new Master. We've been born of the Spirit of Christ and we have a love for Christ that motivates us in everything that we do in life. Which produces loving others. Loving others. Loving others more than myself. But it begins with a love for Christ. And it flows out into a love for other people. Even the ability now to love our enemies. To love those who persecute us. Love. Joy is the next one. These are fruits of the Spirit, dear friends. These are fruits of the Holy Spirit. Those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit will be manifest in these. Not in perfection. But there should be an increasing presence of these in our life as we walk with Christ. Joy is the next one. Even in the midst of sorrow, beloved. Why? Because all is well, the song we sang. Between myself and the Lord, there's this joy that nothing on this earth can shake. Not talking about, not talking about temporary happiness because we all go through it every day. But we're talking about this deep, enduring joy even in the midst of sorrow, being able to praise the Lord during the hard times and not getting angry at God and shaking our fist at God. This peace, love, joy, peace. First of all, peace with God. Right? Since we have been justified by faith, we were saved by grace through faith. We now have peace with God. We now have a peace that passes all understanding, a peace about those things that would tempt me to worry. Not that we don't battle these things. But worry and anxiety doesn't dominate our life. There's an inner calmness, a peace that produces trust in the Lord during life's difficulties. A peace that's stronger than any, any anxieties or fears about your life because we're not consumed by the things of this world. 
Patience is the next one. Patience in times of adversity. It's not always blowing up when, when things don't go the way I planned. Because life no longer revolves around me, myself, and I. The root of all sin is self. And what does Jesus call us to do? Those who wish to come after me must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow after me. So all of these should be increasing in the life of the believer. It's ability, this patience is an ability to endure injuries from others without having to take revenge. Because we have now the life of Christ in us, guiding us. It goes down to in our deepest affections of the soul. We are made new. Kindness and goodness. Thinking of others. A desire to do good for others. A desire for the ultimate good for others. A desire to see your enemies reconciled to God. There's a tenderness about it. Having even a love for your enemies. Can I tell you, church, that before my conversion, the only thing I wanted to do and did do is fight my enemies. And I mean physically fight. That's what I thought of my enemies. It's only the grace of God that can take a wretch of a sinner and transform a person and give them a love for, for their enemies. Only the Christian has the capacity to do that. Am I saying it's always just easy? No. But these should describe our life. Faithfulness. A loyal and trustworthy. Being loyal, being trustworthy. Why? Because we're men and women of integrity. Because we do all things in life to please Christ. So people can trust you. They can depend on you. They can take you for your word because you're faithful. You're faithful to Christ. You don't have to have a law over you saying you must be true. You must be honest. No, we want to be to please our Master. Gentleness and meekness. Again, it's just this humble, gentle attitude. Right? That's what happens when a person comes into the kingdom. He says we're made poor in spirit all the way back up to the first part of the sermon. That we are made poor in spirit. We are humbled. We recognize that we are spiritual wretches, bankrupt spiritually, and we humbly enter the kingdom of God. We understand how gentle God has been with us. And again, we don't have to desire revenge every time somebody wrongs us. None of these are in perfection, beloved, but they should be in an increasing manner in your life. Self-control is the next one. The fruit of restraining passions and appetites that used to dominate our life. Not being controlled by these things, in other words. And no law is needed. Why? Because the Spirit is producing all of this good. The Spirit is producing all of this good. You know what this describes? It describes a godly life. If we're God's people, our lives should be described in some sense as a godly life. This self-control 
comes out of the fact that we were nailed to the cross with Christ. Paul tells us in Romans 6. We went into the grave with Christ. Our old man was crucified and we came out of the grave. And He has given us power over these things to now walk with Christ. Amen? He then talks about the evil man back in Luke. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. Do you see that? The life comes out of the heart. The new life comes out of the new heart. If you're still living the old life, which is what we're going to see, do you have new life? Do you have a new heart? The evil man, he says now in verse 45, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. Well, now flip back over to Galatians 5. I should have had you just stay there. Galatians 5, 19-21. Now the question is, is are these things still dominating your life? Okay? Are they still dominating your life? Is this your habitual, unrepentant, Lifestyle. This is who Paul's describing here. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He can't be any clearer than that. If this is your lifestyle, you're not a Christian. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is describing, he says the evil man in Luke 6. Why? A person like this, with these kind of with these kind of lifestyles still dominating their life, why would this be? Because the heart is still bad. The heart is still unregenerate. And our world is full of these people. I was one for several years. Yes, I know Jesus Christ. Yes, I've accepted Christ as my, as my Savior. When their life looks like Galatians 5, 19-21, something's wrong with that picture. Let's go through it real quickly. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity. We don't don't have to get graphic with these things. We all know what that's describing. Immorality, impurity. Do these things dominate your life? All the sexual immorality, the fornication, the adultery, the unrestrained lust, the unrestrained, the world calls it addiction. God's Word calls it enslavement to things like pornography. There's, there, in other words, there's no self-control. There's no, there's no visual, evident presence of the Spirit of God to even restrain these things. Sensuality. It's just the excessive, excessive behavior. Lack of restraint. He says sorcery. Idolatry, sorcery. 
Sorcery, the, the whole idea of the pharmacia, the mind-altering drugs, as well as the occult, witchcraft, all of these things. But is our culture not given over to drugs? People profess Christ. They're high 24 hours a day. That's an idol. Pharmacia, drunkenness, the same thing. This is their God. This is what they turn to every day. Now Paul tells the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What are you serving today? What are you serving day in and day out? Are you serving your lusts? Are you serving the one true God? Enmity, strife, jealousy. He talks about these kind of things. All related all related in, in anger in the area of human relationships. Again, there's no self-control, but a person is controlled by anger and self-centeredness. Drunkenness. Deeds of the flesh. Fruits of the flesh. Carousing. We, all, we, we get the idea? Beloved, he says, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is this describing? An ungodly life. And you have far too many people professing the name of Christ, but who lives an ungodly life. And they must be woken up by the truth of God's word that do not be deceived. And he calls him the evil man back in Luke. The evil man out of the evil treasure bring forth what is evil. Why is he described as an evil man? Because a bad heart, an unregenerate heart cannot produce a good life. That's what he's saying. An unregenerate, dead heart, evil heart cannot produce a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Again, it's the fruit analogy. There is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. The fruit gives it away. The grapefruit gives it away. That it's what kind of tree? Grapefruit tree. The fruit in a person's life gives it away. There are those who profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works or their fruits. They say one thing with their lips, but their mouth screams that they're unregenerate. Many who have made decisions are still producing this rotten fruit habitually. I used to see it all every time when I would preach in front of the clubs here in the Bible Belt. Just get cussed out. People living in all kinds of sexual perversion, drunk, high, and, and cussing me out, saying I was saved at Falls Creek when I was five years old. And you're preaching a false gospel telling me I need to repent. See how backwards we've got it? The fruit gives it away. Beloved, what kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of, this is a message we look at ourselves. What kind of fruit do you produce habitually? Not imperfection. What's the habitual fruit in your life? 
And then in 45, at the end of verse 45, what is it that Jesus says gives a person away? For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. You know, you can, you can hide it. You can hide it maybe, maybe at church. Maybe when you're, when you're around other Christians, you can hide it. Because we know of people in the Bible, Judas, the disciples didn't even know Judas was a phony. You can hide it around certain people, but it'll come out eventually. Maybe you hide it at church, but maybe you blow up at home. Maybe you got a potty mouth at home. Maybe you blow up in anger at home. Maybe you've met the guy at work that uses the profanity and the filthy language and that type of stuff around you till he knows you're a Christian. And then, oh, then you never hear it ever again. He talks this. You, would, you, you think maybe even the guy's a Christian when he's around you, but when he's around his friends, what the truth comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. One commentator said the tongue is the sound system of the heart. You know, maybe you can hide it even at home. Maybe you can hide it even from your wife or your husband or your kids or your parents. But maybe the truth comes out maybe when you're alone. Maybe when you're alone on your computer screen, the truth comes out. Psalm 94.9, it says, He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? See, ultimately the truth comes out before the God of heaven. And that's what we should be concerned with. Even if you could fool everybody in your life, which there will be some who they have everybody fooled. They have us fooled. Hopefully we don't have each other fooled. But there is one who sees all. There is one who hears all. It's the one who created your ear and created your eye. He sees and hears everything. You see, what we ordinarily talk about Ordinarily speaking, with eagerness and with delight, that's what naturally flows out of, our, out of our mouth, generally speaking. Right? That's what's going on deep down in our hearts. I know a man likes fishing. Why? If I'm around him. Because he talks about fishing. The guy won't shut up about fishing. So I know he likes fishing. I know a couple guys who like coin collecting. Why? Because I hear them talk about it. If they didn't talk about coin collecting and show me the coins, I wouldn't have any idea. But I know they like coin collecting. Right? There's some of us who like OU football. Why? I mean, you know if you're around a fan of a certain team because they talk about them. I don't hear many OU fans just talking all the time about Maryland ter Terrapins or whatever they're called. <laughs> no, you talk about what... Right? You see the point he's making? Now, are you saying, Pastor, that Christians never do or say anything evil? No, I'm not saying that. Not at all. hope you guys hear that. Of course not. But it's not the pattern of our life. If it is the pattern of your life for filth to be coming out of your mouth, it's a reflection of your heart. You may have a sewer of a heart that needs to be cleansed. It's not the pattern of our life. He does not practice evil, what? but confesses His sins, repents of His sins, 
Repentance is a work of God that continues in the life of the believer. It's the truth of Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you. Has He began a good work in you? He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. There will be fruits of repentance in our life if we're genuinely converted. Amen? That's what, that's what John the Baptist meant. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Fruits of repentance are to be in the life of the follower of Jesus Christ. Not this unrestrained sin of the fruits of the deeds of the flesh with no repentance. No, I'm saved because I made a decision back ten years ago. And I know I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. I know I live with my girlfriend. How dare you judge me? No, Jesus said to judge with right judgment. We take them to these passages and say, dear friend, do you hear what the Apostle is saying? If this is your life, based on the authority of God's Word, if this is your practice, you are not a Christian. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. I call you out of love to repent, to turn to Christ, to confess Him as Lord. Our, our fruits, our lives, is what gives us away. We can't blame others for our sin. Okay, These things come from the heart. Many people say, oh, it's my circumstances. No, the fruit is produced by the nature of the tree. That's where the fruit's produced. The fruit is produced by the nature of the individual heart. Jesus said, out of the heart of the unregenerate man comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, Slander. It's not, it's not society's fault. It's not culture's fault. It's not your parents' fault. It's your wicked heart. It's the hope of the Gospel that Christ gives us new hearts. I know how wicked my heart was. Absolutely vile. To the core. Angry words come from what? An angry, murderous heart. Can't blame it on other people. Salacious, lustful words come from what? A wicked, adulterous heart. Beloved, if Galatians 5, 19-21 that we just read, the deeds of the flesh, if that is the habitual practice, if that is the habitual, unrepentant pattern of your life, and even more so evidenced by what comes out of your mouth, you are not a Christian. I remember when I faced that head on in 1997. Thank the Lord somebody had the courage to preach the Word of God. And I read verses like this and I realized I'm not a Christian. But guess what it led me to do? Oh God, be merciful to me. You still have an evil, unregenerate heart. No amount of outward reform, no amount of religion, no amount of church attendance. No amount of trips up and down the aisle will help. You can't blame others. You can't blame the circumstances of your life. You need a new heart. That's what you need. That's man's greatest need is a new heart. A new heart. A heart that loves Christ. A new nature. You need to be born again. And in closing, I'm going to close with a quote by J.C. Ryle. 
He says, let it be a settled principle again in our religion that when a man's general conversation is ungodly, his heart is graceless and unconverted. Let us not give way to the vulgar notion that no one can know anything of the state of another's heart. See, what he's saying is, I can't ultimately know a heart, but I can generally know a heart by, what, by their life. That's what Jesus is saying. So he says, let us, let us not give way to the vulgar notion that no one can know anything of the state of another's heart, and that although men are living wickedly, that they have good hearts at the bottom. Such notions are a flatly contradictory, or flatly contradictory to our Lord's teaching. Is the general tone of a man's communication carnal, worldly, irreligious, godless, or profane? Then let us understand that this is the state of his heart. When a man's tongue is generally wrong, it is absurd, no less than unscriptural, to say that his heart is right. And that's what Jesus means. In verse 45, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. What is the state of your heart? Dear friend, what's the state of your heart? If this is you, if this is you that J.C. Ryle is describing, if this is you, even more importantly, that the Apostle Paul is describing in Galatians 5, that Jesus is describing in Luke 6 as the, the bad tree that produces bad fruit. If this is you, stop being deceived. Stop playing the hypocrite. You have a heart of stone. And the only message for you is to look to Christ and beg Him for a new heart. Beg Him for a new heart. Beg Him for a new life. Confess your sins to Him. Dear friends, that's why He came. Christ Jesus came into the world to save. He came into the world to deliver right out of darkness, into light. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Save them. Bring them into His fold. He came to make that which was a bad fish into a good fish by giving Him His very Spirit. So if that's you today, repent. Look to Christ. Confess Him as Lord. Trust Him by faith. And He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him because He always lives to make intercession for them. He is a mighty Savior. He's here to save you today if you do not know Him. If you do know Him, rejoice that He has made you new. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word that's so simple. Thank You for the teachings of our Lord that is so simple, God. His teachings are simple. Father, may they penetrate our hearts, God. May You use this really weak attempt to try to communicate this Word, God, in a mighty way to save Your people, Lord, to save Your, your lost sheep. God, I just thank You for the simplicity of Your Word, Father. Thank You for Christ. Thank You for His Holy Spirit that does make us new. Thank You for the new heart that You give us that was promised in Ezekiel and other places, Lord. Thank You for not leaving us in our sin, God. Father, we worship You today in response of what You have done for us. We love Christ today, God. We thank You for Him. We ask all this in His name.
Amen.